Michael, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, so brand new series we're starting today. Did silence minister to you? I think that's going to go down as one of my all-time favorites, honestly. Silence was a really, really good series, and I hope that you did finish it off well. I hope that you listened last week, because uh, there's a lot that's, I think some of those inspirations, they just don't leave me easily, so I'm going to refer back to them a lot. Um, you can always go and listen on the podcast or on YouTube to hear last week's, but I have a story for you first today. Are you ready? A water bearer in India <clears throat> had two large pots. Each hung on each end of a pole, which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it. And while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of the long walk from the stream to the master's house, the cracked pot arrived only half full. For a full two years, this went on daily, with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water in his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments perfect to the end for which it was made. But the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it was able to accomplish only half of what it had been made to do. After two years of what it perceived to be a bitter failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I'm ashamed of myself and I want to apologize to you. The bearer asked, why? What are you ashamed of? The pot replied, for these past two years, I am able to deliver only half of my load because of this crack in my side. It causes water to leak out all the way back to your master's house. Because of my flaws, you don't get full value for your efforts. The water bearer felt sorry for the old crack pot. And in his compassion, he said, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. As they went up the hill, the old crack pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path, and this cheered it somewhat. <clears throat> but at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it had leaked out half its load. And so again, it apologized to the bear for its failure. The bear said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? That's because I have always known about your flaw. And I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path. And every day while we walk back from the stream, you've watered them. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would not have had this beauty to grace his house. Good, right? Listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel broken. I feel broken. I'm messing things up, messing people up. I can't seem to do anything right. I just feel sorry for myself. And I cry out to God in those moments. Like, God, I'm sorry I'm so messed up. Like, if I could just be better, maybe I could do more for you. If I I could just figure out how to be perfect, everything would be perfect. As if it's news to him, I cry out to him, right? Like I have to inform God about my flaws. Sometimes I feel like I'm not particularly gifted at anything. Like even the things I do set out to do, I can't do well. And I'm just that poor little pot. I don't know if you can relate. Maybe it's only me. But, but God keeps reminding me lately. Second Corinthians 12 says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. But not only that, the verse continues, for my power, my power, God's power, is made perfect in your weakness. His power is actually made perfect in my weakness. So God not only knows that I'm weak, he uses it. He not only knows that I'm weak, but it's a complement to his power. It's a perfect pairing. They go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? Couldn't get more perfect. They go together. My weakness, his power. I don't need to have power. I just need to bring to him my weakness. And for me, it goes back to where we ended on our silent series last week, right? Spirituality and practicality. 
together. The spiritual, the physical. I, I can't, now that I see it, I can't stop seeing it throughout the word. Right? My weakness, his power. It must be both. I mean, Jesus came to this broken earth, powerful, fully God, but also fully man. God's power made perfect by the fact that Jesus was also human. Fully God and fully man. And even in that pairing, Jesus' resurrection power was made perfect in the fact that humans were able to kill him. You see, does this making sense? It must be both. God's power complements our weakness. Our weakness complements his power. It is made perfect together. In Jesus' weaknesses, God made him strong. And it was in his humanness, God was able to show his power. So all I have to do, and this is what God reminds me of every time I get in that cracked pot mood, I'm broken, can't do anything right, right? If I, if I could just bring you more. And God says, listen, all I'm asking for is your weakness. All I'm asking is for you to show up, be faithful, Bring my strengths, my weaknesses, my humanness, my errors. Bring all of it to, to him. All I have to do is bring them to the table and keep bringing them to the table, and God does the rest. We often think that we have to be good before we can come to the table. We have to fix all of our flaws before we can come to God. But being good is only half of it. What is God going to say at the end? Right, what do we want to hear from him? Well done, my good and faithful servant. My good and faithful servant. Faithfulness is a part of the equation that honestly, as a culture, we're not so good at lately. Like we let our weakness get in the way. We'd rather stay home than fight. We'd rather give up before we get beat. Then at least it was our choice, right? Or, or we think that, you know, what we've been praying for, believing for, having so much faith for, it's, it's never going to come. So... <sighs> Might as well give up now. We give up too easily. We give up way too easily in this age of, of drive throughs and, and fast food and lightning speed answers at our fingertips. We forget how to keep showing up at the table. Keep coming back. Keep knocking, Jesus said, and the door will be open to you. It's faithfulness. We forget how to be faithful. I've always been confused by the verse... The faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. Anybody else a little confounded by that one? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Jesus said it. It's a paraphrase. But he basically said, the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. And I thought, well, I have mustard seed sides faith just a little bit. I have that much, I think. I hope. I've got a little. So why am I not seeing mountains move? Right? Why can I not just say to a mountain, be moved, and it is so? What, what, is my faith not even that big? Is there something wrong with me? But we forget that the Israelites didn't get liberated from their slavery overnight. Right? We forget that they didn't move into the promised land in a day. We forget that Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome. It was a bigger picture. Right? Here and now and eternity. We talked about this last week. We forget just how eternal God is. That he can hold a much bigger picture of humanity in his head than we can. It's not just the here and now. It's also eternity. Our humanness gets us stuck sometimes in the here and now. We want God to fix it and we want him to fix it now. Broke assault. We want him to fix it now. And like we said last week, it must be both. We must be able to see both the here and now and the bigger picture, the eternal perspective, spirituality and practicality. It must be both. And this is what God showed me this week. Finally, I feel like I understand the moving mountains verse. God said to me, if you truly had faith that you could move mountains, you would show up every single day and say, God, where do I start digging today? Get this. Don't walk away without taking a piece of this with you today. Understand this. Where do I show up and start digging today? Not tomorrow, 
not the next day, not a month after that, not who's going to come with me and what tools am I going to use, and I don't have an excavator, and I don't have dynamite. I don't know how to move mountains. I don't, I don't have these things. Just show up, start digging, right? We don't have to have the whole picture. This is the bottom line of faith. See, most of us get stuck on those questions. We get stuck. Or, or we never actually show up on the mountain because we're too busy saying, God, how, do I, how am I going to accomplish that? It's too big for me, for one person. It's too ugh, large. It's insurmountable. We, we, we back away hardcore because we just can't grasp. How is this going to happen? Like, who's going to help? Uh, who's going to, is it going to jump in the sky and just move? Like, we, we get stuck on the practical. We forget just how big, eternal, spiritual God is. Faith doesn't need those questions answered. It just shows up, despite not having answers. Faithfulness keeps you coming back, even though you feel fatigued, even though people leave you, even though others don't believe as much as you do, even though they're laughing at you and calling you stupid. Faith shows up, and it shows up with a shovel. It shows up with what it has, not questioning just believing that the mountain can be moved. See, the doubter in me wants to give up before I've even started. I let the doubts become too big. I'm not enough. Me and a single shovel are not enough. I don't have, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have the, the dynamite, the excavator, I don't have an army of people to help me dig. I don't even have a Harry Potter wand, I can just magic it away. Like, I don't have these things. Right? So I don't have anything, God. Me and a shovel are not going to get it done. Faith doesn't focus on what it doesn't have. Who it doesn't have. Faith shows up with a shovel. This is why if you believe tithing works, for example, you'll tithe. <laughs> if you don't believe, right? If you believe that God will take care of you, if you tithe, you will tithe. If, if you, you're not tithing, you don't actually have faith that God is going to take care of you. That's not faith. You can't just say you believe it. <laughs> faith is actually doing it and believing, not asking the questions, believing that God has this. If you actually believe that church is beneficial to you, you will participate. If you don't participate, you cannot truly say that you believe in it. Faith shows up. Faith obeys. No questions asked. And, and you may not have all the answers. Faith doesn't need to have all the answers. It's simply obedient with what it has. See, I've gotten myself to a place lately, and I know so many of you can relate because I've had many of these conversations. I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of believing all the time. I'm tired of pushing all the time. I'm tired of fighting the battles, pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm tired of trying to convince people that they need something they don't want. It last year at this time, anybody remember the series Battles? A year ago, it was a good one too. It's one I want to go back to someday. You can find it back on the podcast if you want to go back. It was so good and, and it was encouraging and, and we were getting up, gearing up for what was to come, right? We were excited and, and passionate and ready to take on the world. A year later, it's like we're tired. There's been so many battles this year. We're in battle fatigue. We're tired. And I thought that meant that I was broken. Being tired is a, a character fall, Right? Rest. We see rest in American culture. We see rest as a character flaw. Being busy is a badge of honor. How you been? Oh, just busy, you know? That's everybody's answer. We're all busy all the time. Rest is like, it's not good. It's, it's looked down on. It's a character flaw. I thought being tired meant that I was broken like that pot. And, and I needed to apologize for my failures and disappointments and leaks for a lack of faith in myself, for a lack of faith in people. I felt like I had been beat up one too many times, and how am I going to help anyone in this state? God said, you don't have to be something you're not. Just show up. I will use your weakness 
show up. My weakness, his power is made perfect in my weakness. You don't have to be perfect. Just show up. You don't have to fix people. Just be obedient. You don't have to have all the answers. Just listen to my voice. And God brought me back to a story about Moses. Look, I know I've already thrown a lot of thoughts at you. Hopefully you've already taken a few notes because there are some nuggets in there that they're just going to last me a long time. But I hope you came ready for just one more. One more thought that God just wouldn't let me alone with this week. See, in Numbers 20, go back to the Old Testament with me. We see Moses, by Numbers 20, he's pretty far along in the story of the Israelites. They've already endured their, he's already endured their complaining, their calf worshiping, their, you know, not believing, they're going through the desert. I mean, they're almost to the end of their 40-year wandering in the wilderness. Moses is so faithful during all that. He keeps, we keep seeing him all throughout this story, go back to God and, and beg him on behalf of the people, save them, right? Even though they're complaining, he keeps going back to God. He pleads with God for the people. Somehow, miraculously, he still has faith in the people. But in Numbers 20, we see a very slight change of heart for Moses. Uh, maybe it was almost at the end of his journey, you know, he, he was just tired, he was burnt out. Maybe I'm seeing it in his story because that's the place where I am, but he, it seems like he was mad at the people personally. Uh, just before this, number 17, they had started to question, challenge his authority over them lately. They all put their names in a hat basically before God and said, who of us should be in charge because we don't trust this guy Moses anymore. Even after everything, right? We look at that and say, oh my goodness. <laughs> he's, he's led them through so much and they're questioning him. It's amazing. But I don't know. Maybe Moses was mad because he had high hopes. You know, by the end of this 40-year period, there was a new generation rising up and here they were repeating the sins of their fathers all over again. I think by this time in Moses' story, he had battle fatigue. I think he was tired of being the one, the only one in a sea of people that always had faith. I think despite his weaknesses and personal failings in the beginning, you know, he was the one who always had faith. He was the one who always showed up. He, he was always doing the right thing. Ever since the burning bush, which was literally a lifetime ago, Moses died when he was 120 this is close to the end. Right? He, ever since then, he had faith for an entire nation. He was the one carrying them. He may have been the only one, but he did it. And now he was old. He was tired. Let himself slip just a little bit. He lost his mustard seed of faith. Here's the story. I want to read it to you today. Numbers 20, verse 2. There was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. What kind of place do you have to be at? <laughs> if only we had died. <laughs> How dare you? A little dramatic, but. If only we had died. Why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with all our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain, no figs, no grapes, no pomegranates, and no water to drink. Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. Listen carefully to these instructions. They're very specific instructions, and they're going to mean something. You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. Speak to it. Speak to the rock. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told so far. Listen carefully to what he actually does. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? 
Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. This place was known as the waters of Meribah, which means arguing, because there the people of Israel argued with the Lord, and there he demonstrated his holiness among them. It's an odd little passage, right? Here are the instructions. Basically, get Aaron's rod, speak to the rock, you will give them water. These were the instructions, right? First of all, get Aaron's rod, the staff of Aaron was a very special thing. You have to understand a little bit of this context to fully understand what's happening here. Aaron's rod, his staff, is special, visibly special. They had it in a prominent place in the tabernacle because it was literally, although it was just a dead hunk of tree, just an everyday staff, it was a piece of wood, it was growing almonds, ripe ones was always flowering and growing almonds. That's why it was on display. See, at number 17, if you go back, when I said everybody challenged the authority of Moses and Aaron, they said, why, why should the Levites get to be God's people? Well, like, why can't we do it? Why can't any of us do it? They were challenging their authority, being rebellious. So they all, the leaders of all 12 tribes of Israel, put their staff in a something in the tabernacle and went to bed. And when they got up in the morning, God was going to show them which one should be in charge. And it was Aaron's. It was flowering, growing ripe almonds for the picking. And so they kept it. God actually told them to keep it, put it in a prominent place in the tabernacle so that every single time anybody walks by it, you remember who's actually in authority, who I have picked, God, who, who I have picked to lead the people. Aaron's staff was special. It was special. Get Aaron's rod, not use it. Get it. That was the instruction. It was meant to be a subtle reminder of authority to the people. Get it. He was meant to use it. Instead, he used his authority as a weapon. Secondly, he said, speak to the rock. Not speak to the people. Not speak to Aaron. Speak to the rock. Now, this is the second, third, second time this has happened in the history of Israel. The first time, God said, strike the rock with the staff, and water came out. This time, he said, speak to the rock. See, it was soon time for Moses to not speak to the people anymore. He was getting on in years. It was almost to the end of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. He was on his way out God told him to speak to the rock, not speak to the people anymore. And listen, God's plans are perfect. They do not need improved upon by you or Moses or anyone else. God's plans are perfect. You cannot add to them to make them perfecter. It's not a thing. Perfect is perfect. Cannot take away from his plan to make it more perfect. It's God's plan is perfect. And I think God was being strategic here because God is a strategic God. Everything he does has a a purpose and a plan. When God does something, he's, you should know this one by now, doing something. When he seems to be doing nothing, he's doing something. God is always doing something. He is strategic. His plans are perfect. He said, speak to the rock. Very important. Get Aaron's rod, speak to the rock, you will give them water. God wants to make your name great. He wants to use you to provide for the people. He wanted to use Moses to provide for the people. He didn't just make the water gush, right? He uses people. It's actually called incarnational ministry. God uses people to accomplish his plans. But he he does it through obedience. So here's what he actually did. Have you seen those memes lately that are like how it started, how it ended up? (laughs) How it started was the three instructions. Get Aaron's rod, speak to the rock, you will give them water. How it ended up, what he actually did, was he got Aaron's rod, but he used it to strike the rock. It was not meant to strike the rock. And it goes back to what we said last week. Methods change, the message doesn't. 
right? Last time Moses got the, the staff and he was supposed to strike the rock. That was not this time. God uses different methods to speak to different generations. This was a brand new generation. He wasn't meant to strike the rock. He was meant to use the staff, the flowering, miraculous staff as a subtle reminder of authority. Instead, he used his authority as a weapon. He struck the rock. He was violent with it. It produced the same result, right? The message doesn't change. God provided water. God gives life. He gives water. That is the message. But he changes the methods from generation to generation. And that is strategic. He was meant to use the rod as a subtle reminder of authority. Instead, he used his authority as a weapon out of anger and frustration. I think out of battle fatigue. Moses was just done. It's like, do I have to do this again? Must I provide water for you, dummies? He didn't say that, but that's the, <laughs> that's the attitude that I'm picking up from Moses in this passage. <clears throat> He's over it. He's done. Do I really need to say this again? Right? Us mothers know. How many times do I have to say it? I lose my mind, right? Out of anger and frustration, he hit the rock twice. What if he had ruined the almonds? What if he had stepped all over God's miraculous instrument of authority? What if he had ruined what God had already done because he stepped out of line just a little bit? Do you see how subtle this disobedience is? He did most of it correctly. He did. Just a little bit of disobedience got him into trouble here. What if he had damaged that very thing that was meant to remind them of God's authority by misusing his own? And isn't that what anger does? It causes us to overlook details, misread signs. It causes us to hurt people we love. And as Christians, it causes us to damage God's reputation. Yikes. <laughs> That's what God was concerned about here. Moses was his mouthpiece. Moses was speaking for God, and he spoke out of anger, and that it was not God's instruction. God does get angry. You see it, I mean, all throughout the word, not just in the Old Testament. He does get angry, but it's very rare that he speaks to us in that way. And it's strategic when he does. This was not one of those times, and yet that's the way Moses spoke. Violence was no longer needed in this stage of the game. <laughs> Forty years into the wilderness, the, the people were mostly used to relying on God for things. And he provided manna, he provided quail, he provided things. Every single day they relied on him. This was a new generation. Moses used to have to strike things. This was a different time different generation. They didn't need a show of force. God's always doing a new thing. Don't you love that about him? We don't have to revert to what we've always done. Just because God told us to do it in the last season does not mean he's going to do that in this season. And you might waste the fruit, the almonds on the staff. We might waste the fruit that God wanted us to use if we just rely on last season's message. Pay attention or you'll miss what he's doing today. And so Moses, supposed to get Aaron's rod, get it, not use it. He used it to strike. He was supposed to speak to the rock, but he spoke to the people angrily. Must I provide this for you? How dare you have to ask again? His lapse into contempt for the people led him into a lapse of subtle pride. And I've been there. I think we've all been there. Occasionally, we get there. I've been angry that people aren't getting in. The problem with that attitude is you're assuming that you're getting it all of the time. Right? How dare they not get it? And yet we're missing things. Pride hides things. That was from one of the weeks of silence. Pride hides things from us. When we project that onto other people, we're missing something ourselves. Uh, but I'm not always getting it. I haven't always got it. The message that God wanted to send, God's grace has always been with me. Why should I not just be grace, grateful for grace? Right? His, 
Moses over-magnified his partnership with God. He thought it was like a 50-50 relationship. You speak, I speak, right? I'm half part of this. But that, it's just pride. It's all pride. And his pride caused him to misrepresent God. That's what God is angry about here. He still provided water, which I'll get to in a minute, but he was misrepresented. The, scripture, the text literally says, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. He's not talking about water. God still provided water. He's talking about tone. This is so important. He's talking about how Moses said it, not what he said or did. <clears throat> he still provided water. It was his tone he had a problem with. It's subtle, but God's subtleties are so extremely important. Moses misrepresented God. See, a lot of us are here right now. A lot of Christians... Today in America, we want to speak for God, tell everybody what God is saying, but we don't want to actually listen. And we misrepresent him with our tone. God is real, God is good, and he loves us so much. That is our message. He is graceful and kind. He is patient with us. He is not up there wagging his finger and judging Right? And yet that's how we portray him a lot. You wonder why the world thinks that of him. We think that of him. We portray him in that way. We judge other people's sins. And, and the, the world outside the door, we're judging them instead of telling them God is real. God is good. And he loves you so much. God still gave the people water. It's an important distinction because I had a problem with that at first. I, I thought... A plus B equals C. Like disobedience plus disobedience equals no provision. That's what I, I figured. They wouldn't get water because Moses disobeyed. No, God still gave water. A plus B did not equal C in this case. God still provided water because of his abundant love for the people. Moses was the one who got punished. Because of his very subtle disobedience, he did not get to enter in to the promised land because of this little thing. The thing he waited 40 years. The thing he led the people all that time he did not get to enter into because he misrepresented the character of God. It should be a little scary to us. It should be. It's, it's a healthy respect thing for God. Right? He was trying to say to Moses that what works is not always the best measure of what's right before God. What works is not always the best measure of what's right. Because sometimes God will still provide water for the benefit of the people. It worked, technically. They got water, right? Moses got punished. He said it in the wrong way. I've been saying this all the past series as well, but you can have all of Jesus's words, all of the Bible's words, and say it with the wrong tone and still be wrong. This is what Moses did. We want to say all's well that ends well, right? The ends justify the means, right? They got water, so... But Moses didn't get to enter into the promised land because he misrepresented God, and God cared about that. The people got water, sure. They got provided for, but they didn't get to see the character and holiness of God. They didn't get to see that God loved giving them water. He wanted to. He was just waiting for them to ask. He was so excited to give them water. That's not how Moses presented it. They got water, but they didn't get love from God, and that's what God cared about. He didn't just want natural, practical provision for them. He wanted both practical provision and spiritual revelation. And because of Moses, they only got one of those. They missed out on what God had for them. He did not represent God's holiness to the people. Listen, we can take care of people's needs. You can go out there in the world and and demonstrate love to them, but without the right spirit, we're still going to be wrong. 
means nothing without love. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians 13 says? Nothing means anything without love. Means nothing without love. Although he provided water, he did not provide the correct representation of the heart and character of God. Listen, God will get his glory one way or another, but will it come through our obedience or our correction? We are called to love them anyway. We're called to keep showing up. Faith shows up, but it shows up with the right attitude. It shows up with a shovel. It shows up ready to work, even when we don't know how it's going to get done. Even when we're tired of fighting battles, it shows up. Look, I know we're all tired right now. I know we're... We're weary. It's hard to keep believing and keep fighting and keep showing up when you could stay in bed and receive church in your pajamas. But I know. I know. And that fulfills a need, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a one-way church, and church was not meant to be one way forever. It's meant to be both ways. You show up and you serve. You show up and you give. If you're not giving into the church as well as receiving from it, you're doing it little wrong. And I know this year has been long. I know we're in an election year and a global pandemic and we have racial tensions and mask tensions and political tensions and it's all anyone can talk about and there's opinions everywhere and everyone seems like they're either on the verge of riot or breakdown. (laughs) I get it. But faith, faith shows up anyway and it shows up with a shovel. It shows up ready to work. Work through the brokenness, knowing that's when God does his best work. Work through the tiredness, knowing the joy of the Lord is our strength. Work through the pain, knowing that Jesus worked through it too. Work through the loneliness and the fear and the shame. Just show up to work. Listen, I'm not saying we have to be spiritual workaholics. I'm not saying it has to be 24-7. God didn't call us to be workaholics. In fact, he also calls us to enjoy life and take it slow sometimes and sleep and take a Sabbath every week, take good care of ourselves, okay? But then you get back up Monday morning, pick up the shovel, and you get to work. This series is about faithfulness, even when it's hard. People are going to let you down. They are going to mess up, not show up, disappoint you. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Christ died for men precisely because men are not worth dying for. To make them worth it to make them worth it a year ago I preached a series called battles this year I'm preaching battle fatigue ending well can be just as important as starting well if you take nothing else from the story of Moses take that stay faithful There's a different anointing that must come with a year like this one. Might not be pushing, 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 taking ground and fighting. It might just be remaining faithful. The word says when you've done everything you can do to stand, stand. Maybe you can't lift the sword anymore today. Just stand. Last year we were gearing up. This year we're trying not to gear down trying to remain faithful and we are learning valuable lessons. We're learning perseverance in this season. We're learning how to sing in the dungeon. We're learning how to keep representing God's heart even in a culture of complainers. We're learning how to be led by quiet waters with armor still on. Don't give in to battle fatigue this year. Don't put it in autopilot. 
Don't lose your mustard seed-sized faith. Don't start thinking that people are never going to get it, that, that all the work that we're doing for God is for nothing. I think Moses had gotten himself to a, a place where he had begun to want the people to get punished. He retreated to the tabernacle and he fell down on his face, but not so sure he was pleading for the people anymore. Maybe he was just going through the motions. Maybe he was saying, God, go ahead, smite him. I'm over it. I'm not asking again. I can't ask again. I don't have faith for one more time. I just, I can't not sure he wanted to see them saved again. And I think they were half-hearted prayers if he even prayed the prayer. I think he might have just been tired of seeing God forgive a people who were so set on disobeying and doubting him. He had lost faith in the people. Jonah was the same way. Remember the story of Jonah? After he finally, he got through the whale thing and he finally did what God had called him to do in the city of Nineveh, he goes up on a hill and he says, all right, God, I know you're going to save him. And he's mad about it. He's like, he wants to go up on the hill and like eat popcorn and wait for God to destroy them. That's what he's hoping for. He's actually hoping that God isn't graceful with them. He wants to see the punishment of God. That's why he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. He said, God, I know you're a faithful, good, graceful God. I know you're just going to save them. Why go? <laughs> I think a lot of us have got a little bit of a spirit of Jonah on us. A little bit of a, a Moses at the end of his very long journey spirit. We're in battle fatigue. People are gonna let us down. They're gonna mess us up. They're gonna not show up. They're gonna disappoint us. It's our job to love them anyway and to do it well, to be careful with obedience. God can use our brokenness. He can use you even when you're exhausted. Just keep showing up. We're gonna learn faithfulness in this season, even when we're tired and exhausted and weary. God, help us. <clears throat> help us get to that place. So much going on in our world today, and, and I often feel like there's so much going on within me. The anxiety, the fear, the, the brokenness. But God, keep reminding us. Keep getting us back to that place where we're okay with it. That we can be glad, be very glad, because we're developing perseverance. That we can have joy even in the suffering. That we can have peace that passes all understanding. Help us keep putting one foot in front of the other. Developing faithfulness in this season. heads bowed and eyes still closed. Some of us today just have to admit that we're tired. Like God's not asking for dishonesty. He's not asking you to say you're faithful when you're not feeling it. We can be honest with him. He wants us to be honest with him. Sometimes we just have to say the words to God. God, I feel tired. I feel broken. I feel like I'm not right. Like I, I just can't get up in the morning. I, can't, I just can't put one foot in front of the other. I just, I don't know if I can do it. Just have the conversation. God will meet you there. He will remind you that his power is made perfect in your weakness, that the joy of the Lord is your strength. He will comfort you. Wrap his arms around you. Say, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Don't lose faith in this season. For some of us, we have to admit more of a, a bitterness, right, that we've been angry. 
maybe you've been trying to sort of repress it, stuff it down. Just say faithful things over top of it. Pretend you're not as bitter and angry as you are. But it's okay to be angry with God. God can handle it. He's a big boy. He can handle your angry words, your tiredness, your brokenness. He can handle it. He just wants you to be honest with him. Just have the conversation. God will send people into your life to encourage you when you can admit it to him. He will send people to minister to you. You see this all throughout the word. When a leader is tired or broken or hurting, they just feel like they can't do it. God sends someone. Moses is a perfect example. At the burning bush, he said, God, I can't do this. I I don't speak well. He had all the excuses, right? I can't do it. And God said, I'm going to send you your brother to help you, to speak for you. I'm going to send you someone. Right? There was also a prophet in the Old Testament who just couldn't hold his hands up any longer, and God sent people to hold his hands up. He'll send you an armor bearer. He'll send you people, disciples in your life that can just come around you like they did for Jesus and help with the work of the ministry. But you have to admit it to have the conversation. That is the practical piece of a very spiritual answer. Just admit it. I'm tired. I'm battle fatigued. I'm bitter and angry. I don't know if I can go on and God will meet you there. If that's you today, I would just like to pray for you. Can you just raise your hand right where you are? I'm tired. I'm a little angry. I'm bitter. Any one of those things. God, you see the hands in the room today. You see the brokenness, the pain, the anger. You see every single person sitting in these seats or watching online today that just thought, I felt that way. I've been broken. I feel like something is wrong with me. And I just, I don't know if I have the faith for it anymore. God, be with us. Help us to show up at the bottom of that mountain with a shovel not knowing the answers to all the questions, not needing to, just believing that you are the way maker, to make a way where there is no way, that you give water from rocks. You are the provider, the deliverer, the comforter, and the healer. We know who you are, Jehovah God. You want to rescue us. Help us to celebrate that, to admit our shortcomings, our weaknesses, and our flaws, and to rest in your power at the same time. Give us strength, joy, peace. Let each and every one of us walk out of here today with a newfound vitality, a newfound vibrance, a new passion, ready to go out and do what you've called us to do. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Before we go today, I I want you to leave with that joy, right? I want you to leave with that passion. Just Take a minute and give it to God. Have that conversation if you haven't already. Find a place around this room to just get alone. Just sit in your chair maybe for a moment. Don't rush off today before you've had that conversation. We're going to be focusing on faithfulness in the next couple of weeks throughout this series. Just keep showing up with a shovel, ready to work do with what's in your hand. I, I know that a lot of us feel like we don't have anything in our hand. Right? Like I, I'm, I don't have even a shovel, right? Just show up. God will provide the rest. Just show up. He has a purpose and a plan. He has gifts and talents within each and every one of us. He wants to give those to you. Maybe today your shovel is just praying that prayer. God, I'm just willing. That's what I have. 
just willing. I feel like I don't have any tools. I, I just, I want to do something for you. He'll meet you there too. Just show up with what you do have. All right, the ushers are going to be in the back to take your offerings and connection cards. I just want to pray one more prayer of blessing over you before we go today. And if you're comfortable, lift your hands, close your eyes, just focus in. Father, we receive that joy, that peace, that wisdom. And more than anything, we receive your Holy Spirit. We receive your Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what each of us are going through. He knows exactly what we're overcoming today. God, make us the church of overcomers. That when we see a, a problem, a hurdle in our path, we overcome it. We don't let it defer us or turn us back around or go another way. We overcome it because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Give us the, the spirit and passion of Jesus. Help us follow his voice so closely like never before that we would just like Moses we'd say God we're not going if you're not going we'd follow your voice so closely and we would be a church of overcomers I speak that passion and spirit into us today in Jesus name amen amen see you all next week thank you so much for joining us today if you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
work tensions that we came in with, we just shed them in your presence. We claim peace in this house in Jesus' name. We're going to walk out of here head held high with the joy of the Lord as our strength. Peace, healing, hope. That's what you came for. That's what we're claiming this morning. We're standing on your promises. Even when the world looks dark, we stand in the light because of what you did for us. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good.